This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. So, Alex Pillow is guiding the American Legion Honda home. It's going to give Chip Ganassi Racing its 12th victory here at Mid-Ohio. That ties Team Penske for the most of any racing organization here. It gives Alex his fourth win on the season. More importantly, three in a row. Hello, Pillow. Alex does it again. Extends his championship lead and wins here at Mid-Ohio. Alex Pillow goes three in a row this morning in the IndyCar series, but the Kiwis were hot on his tail. Scott Dixon finishing second for his best result of the season to date, while Scott McLaughlin ended up in fifth place. And then there's the rookie, Marcus Armstrong, finishing inside the top ten in ninth place. It was a decent showing at mid-Ohio as the series heats up for the Toronto Grand Prix, a race Dixon won last year. So joining us now is uh, motorsport expert David Turner. He's currently working on a documentary about those guys totaled Kiwis born to fly. Good morning, David. Uh, thanks very much uh, for joining us and uh, having a little look at uh, IndyCar this morning. But uh, before we do, uh, you recently come back from a stint of filming for the documentary. Uh, what kind of access were uh, you allowed over there? Yeah, good morning, Smithy. Great to chat with you again. Always enjoy a good conversation with you. Um, the trip the trip went well. The access was uh, very good amongst the New Zealand guys because they kind of knew what we were trying to achieve and um, and some of the teams were, were pretty helpful in, in the concept. Um, like anything, there was, a, there was a few battles along the way, but, uh, you know, effort equals reward, as they say, and... Uh, you know, we, we managed to target all the people that we went in looking for. And, um, you know, I found a few more along the way as well. I can tell you there's a lot of Kiwis over there and some pretty high-powered roles within the greater IndyCar series. And uh, it, it makes you feel quite humbled, actually, when you're around them. There's um, a great bunch of guys, um, just normal guys like you and me, but um, very proudly New Zealanders as well. Tradition in motor racing uh, speaks for itself. We go a long, long way back with some well-performed drivers in a lot of um, ser- a lot of series, a, a lot of classes. Uh, but right now we've got uh, three pretty hot uh, pieces of property in uh, IndyCar racing. And uh, w- were they pretty keen on on putting things together for you? Yeah, well, I, I sort of, you know, I, I know two, well, I know all three of them personally quite well. Um, I had connections with them for many years, and I've known, you know. Dixon since you know the late 90s so it kind of makes life a, a little bit easier but there's still the um, you know the protocol of dealing with the teams to, to get things done and, and all that sort of carry on but you know they opened up as well and uh, and said some some very uh, you know good things that, that you'll see in the documentary um, and a sort of kind of reflection on, on their story to date and you know Dixon's clearly the benchmark in, in that one but he's uh, he's very reflective in his tone and um, He's humble on the fact that, you know, how he got there and, and the, the story of Scott. Um, but then the other two are, have got this aspiration of the fact that they, they see him as the benchmark and, and other ones to carry on the mantle. So, you know, he's 
he's created a bit of a legacy that these ones are following and then there's, a, there's another two up there as well in, in the feeder series um, Hunter McRae and Jacob Douglas so you know we've got five of them up there and uh, you know I spoke to a lot of US journalists and they go you know you Kiwis are just breeding these guys and um, you know when's it going to stop and I said to them well we've got plenty more coming so just watch out David um, when is the uh, planned release of the documentary obviously still putting the whole thing together when's it plan, uh, planned release and uh, have you got anyone else in, your, in the firing line that you've got to interview coming up no well we've shot all the interviews now so they were all done so we were there for the five weeks across the Indy 500 period and then the Detroit Grand Prix so we've, we've done all of that um, we've actually got the first 50 minutes of the show done so it'll come out at about 75 minutes uh, for Sky Sport and um, at the moment Sky are very keen to, to screen it around the period towards the end of the season hoping that you know one of the Kiwis is in contention so it helps you know boast of that profile so the tentative date for it is September the 4th which is after the Portland race uh, full race replay prime time um, and uh, and then play multiple times across that week leading into the final race in Monterey uh, the following weekend. So that's that's where it's tentatively going at the moment. And then Penske Entertainment, who, <laughs> through the process of the whole thing, actually now own the documentary, not me, even though I'm making it. Um, mm. They have got some plans for it in the US as well, so that will showcase our guys. And there's, there's a couple of other exciting things that hopefully the next time we talk, I'll be in a better position to reveal those, but it will it'll give it a good good status and, and some feel-good factor as well. David, uh, this morning, of course, was mid-Ohio. I uh, watched the uh, last uh, eight laps of the race. I was uh, watching other stuff as well at the same time, but the last eight laps in particular, uh, Alex Pillow again winning this morning. I listened to the interviews afterwards, and every yep. driver basically interviewed said, this guy's almost uncatchable at the moment. They're doing such a great job in the number 10 car. Is that how you see it? Um, I do and I don't. Um he, they're doing a phenomenal job, and Ganassi are doing a follow, you know, phenomenal job as as that grab that you guys just played reflected, you know, and the way that team and organisation is put together. Ricky Davis is crew chief. I've known for many, many years, and used to be the crew chief for for Dixon when Dixon won the Indy 500 in 2008. And I, I spoke to Ricky, who's an American guy, a, a few weeks back, and um, he said, you know, the way they see it is Alex is their next Scott, um, but you know, Palau potentially won't be with the team next year anyway but you know that's a whole nother scenario but the way IndyCar works yeah he's got a good points buffer at the moment but you know this is the, sh the run of um, seven races over six weekends because there's a double header at Iowa so it can change very dramatically and what happened this morning is Dixon has firmly put himself in the game and McLaughlin's on the outside edges of it as well so these next few weeks will really determine how this championship starts to play itself out. You know, you've got Toronto and then you've got a short over at Iowa with two races there. Um, Nashville, you know, there's a combination of a whole bunch of different types of circuits. So, yeah, Palau, well, I don't think we've seen a, a breakaway leader in, in the championship like this in many, many years. But stranger things have happened. David, uh, what was the situation with uh, Scott McLaughlin? I'm not quite sure I saw that piece of action, but um, he uh, was held up by Benjamin Peterson, and uh, he did say at the end of it, if you're, if you're not interested in winning the race, get out of the way, basically. That was his theory. Yeah, well, it was lap traffic, so there is a, you know, there's a bit of courtesy and protocol that should come into play there, and um, 
you know, also the fact that the AJ Foyt racing cars that Peterson drives are powered by Chevy and McLaughlin's obviously in the Chevy. So there's, there's a bit of engine manufacture, um, you know, support because they're out to beat the Honda entries. Um, so I was, a, I was a little bit surprised by that. Um, and, you know, there should have been a, maybe some better communication between the team. But McLaughlin did the right thing and, and was patient because you've got to play the long game in this. And and he did that. So, yeah, it held him up. Would have affected the outcome. I, I actually don't think so. And, you know, I've talked to Scott since the race as well. And he's going, well, we've got a decent points haul and that's kept us in the game. So I'm more than happy with that. So we're regarding it as a good weekend. So, you know. It's a, it's a good all-round in that sense. But, yeah, driver protocol, probably not the best. Shane Van Gisbergen and NASCAR were <laughs> making an, imme- an immediate impression. Yeah, you know, like, uh, you've got you to gotta go with Shane that pretty much anything he drives, he can turn into something. You know, he was, you know, at Western Springs over the summer in a sprint car, and now suddenly he's in a NASCAR. Um, the leveler, I'd have to say here before we get to over the top about it is it's a street race in Chicago that no one has ever been to before. So in some ways that was the most ideal platform for Van Gisbergen to uh, debut in a NASCAR race and it's not an oval. So that's the other part that probably plays into Shane's favour. Um, and I'm not putting them down, so please don't take it that way. But, you know, you play the odds that best suit you and this was certainly one of those events that, you know, was fantastic for him to dip his toe in the water. I'd like to think that that's the start of something bigger and, and maybe we see him, you know, do more races and then eventually on an oval because then, you know, then we'll really see some might and he's capable of the job. You know, Marcus Ambrose said to me uh, several years back when I was doing another feature um, and we were talking to him and, you know, he's a well-known Australian touring car driver at that stage and he said that NASCAR was one of the toughest series that he'd ever raced in. So... I think Van Gisbergen's got the might of all of that. And, um, you know, if nothing else, it's drawn attention to the fact that uh, he is who he is. And, um, you know, NASCAR teams might take a bit of an interest and it could be a life after supercars for Shane should he choose to, you know, go down that sort of path. You're in Dunedin at the moment for the annual Elite Motorsport Academy. What does that week entail for you? Um can I say that it's damn cold down here right now? <laughs> it's freezing. It's not cricket weather, put it that way. Um, yeah, we're, we're based at uh, High Performance Sport right next to the stadium down here in Otago, so you know exactly where we are, uh, home of the Highlanders. Um, there's a few of them in the gym now, so I guess they're getting ready for next year already. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is uh, my 16th year as a trustee on the Motorsport New Zealand Elite Academy. Uh, we've got eight drivers in camp with us now. We take in eight every year. Um, the, the reason we end up being down here is we have quite a good relationship with the University of Otago, so the week gets determined by where the uni break is, so that's why we choose to come down here when it's snowing, of all things. Um, but... Uh, yeah, we've got another eight in camp now. We've had 100, nearly 160 athletes go through the program since it first started in 2004. And uh, names like uh, Van Gisbergen uh, are just one, some of the, the many people that have been through here that we've aided their motorsport careers. So uh, they're with us for this week-long camp. We do everything other than teaching them how to drive a car. So it's about mental mindset, um, athlete life management, nutrition, diet, media work, sponsorship work, public speaking, you know, you name it, uh, as well as a complete, you know, um, individual fitness program and, and training regime as well. And then we look after them for the next 
uh, 11 months, so through to about May next year, and um, and help them through a, a year-long program that the trust funds and, and keeps them going and uh, tries to give them a bit of a leg up. So uh, both Marcus Armstrong and Hunter McRae that are in the States are graduates of the program. And I spoke to both of them actually within the documentary about that and they've said that, you know, they look back on it now and uh, and are very grateful for the things they learnt. They didn't necessarily appreciate it at, at the time because they were young. Marcus was only 14 when he came through the academy. But, you know, you, you look at them now and... Um, those things have all helped. So hopefully the, the eight we've got here will go on and maybe in a few years' time you and me will be talking about them as well. Well, I hope we're talking again very shortly too, David, about more <laughs> success for our drivers overseas and uh, more and more on uh, this uh, fascinating documentary that you're putting together, Kiwis Born to yeah, Fly. Well, I look forward to so much. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm obviously pretty self-conscious about it, but I think it's a great story. And, you know, as you know, you're a, you're a sports person all round. We have so many sporting people in this country across multiple disciplines of sport, but, you know, the motorsport thing is very close to me and, uh, and it's just a good story to tell. So, yeah, hopefully next time we can talk, I can tell you about somewhere else that it's potentially going to play and, uh, and people just enjoy it knowing that, you know, these guys are New Zealanders and we come from a, a nation down down here and uh, we're as good as anywhere in the world and so are our drivers.